the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Tired of the negative news and flashover substance? It's time for Today with Dr. Wendy. Dr. Wendy Patrick is a trial attorney, patriot, and Ph.D. with a passion for people and a penchant for politics. Dr. Wendy brings you the headlines, streamline, news you can use. It's time to be informed, engaged, and entertained. Now, here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick. Good evening and welcome to another edition of Today with Dr. Wendy. I'm Wendy Patrick and my co-host Larry Dersham and I are delighted that you're able to join us for a bit tonight. Well, it's been quite a week. We have seen our uh, first, uh, at least in several decades, recall results finally come in this week. So Californians resoundedly voted no on recalling Governor Newsom. Now, many people think, yes, of course they did, but this was a nail biter as of just a few months ago where there was a very narrowly divided electorate, um, almost half of whom were planning, at least they were at that time, on voting to recall the governor. Now the tide has turned and ironically, some of the issues that led to the discontent with Governor Newsom actually ended up being a blessing in disguise when the Delta variant started to spike. Younger, sicker, quicker, people began to worry that maybe some of Governor Newsom's recommendations and requirements and mandates that went into effect last year were needed now as well. So we have distanced ourselves from the French Laundry incident, and now we have a governor staying in place. But I do have to say, Larry, um, you know, when we talk about this race, uh, I wonder whether or not it was a governor's race or a COVID referendum, because we have come a long way from the very first glance we had at that colorful list of candidates moving to uh, potentially unseat the governor and replace him. I always say a recall election is a recall and replace. Then, of course, we remember Larry Elder emerged as a front runner. But I don't know. Was this a surprise to you that Governor Newsom pretty much ran away with it? It was a surprise to me, Wendy. I watched a couple of TV news uh, sources and there was some troubling trends there that people would show up to vote in person and they would tell that person, you've already voted. So they would end up filling out a provisional ballot. The, the main thing with me, I ha- we have to have an ele- election integrity. Without that, we have nothing. And I, I just am so worried about the uh, 2022 election. So I, I'm disappointed in the results personally. Uh, but if the main thing is we have to get this right and uh, allow, make sure that there's not any cheating or fraud on either side. We all want a fair uh, and accurate election. Yeah, you know what was interesting about this election, Larry, along those lines is despite Larry Elder giving somewhat of a pre a couple of days before the election, talking about making sure that it was secure and election integrity is important, that's not what he said afterwards. In fact, his very gracious remarks 
his concession speech basically said, let us be gracious in defeat, his words. But he also added, we may have lost the battle, but we're going to win the war. And when speaking elsewhere, uh, made it very clear he doesn't intend to go anywhere, which leads you to wonder whether or not he's going to run in 2022. You know, that was the other thing that I thought really characterized the recall election. I said Governor Newsom ran away with it, but he certainly didn't continue to do a victory lap, more likely a sigh of relief, because it was absolutely um, nothing to to really take lightly that in a deep blue state, you had a recall petition qualify for the ballot to begin with. That is certainly not something anybody ever expected to see in California. I mean, you know, this was we are a state where we have not had any Republican hold statewide office in more than a decade. So we will see if any of these uh, candidates actually resurface in 2022. I probably will with Larry Elder. But Larry, I also know on the docket for today, we're going to talk a little bit more about masks in general, because, you know, um, we thought I guess a lot of people speculated that once vaccines were widely available, the masks would come off, but they haven't. Not only are they back on, but they have spurned some very important and lively litigation across the country where you have school districts, for example, instituting mask mandates across the board. And then you have governors like Governor Lee in Tennessee issuing executive orders, basically saying you don't have to comply, you parents, don't have to comply with these school-wide mask mandates if you choose that you can decide what's best for your kids. It's kind of like the same, by analogy, parental rights debate that we sometimes see when you have parents saying, I want my child to opt out of sex ed or something else that's going on in the school district. Have you been following some of this, Larry? Right. I think Governor DeSantis in Florida has some issues going on, too, where he's uh, pushing for allowing the kids to come to school without wearing masks. And then there's pushback against that. And he's threatening fines if any school district forces this mask uh, masking of the, the children. And so there's a lot of there's a lot of litigation, a lot of uh, back and forth on this. So I have been following. It's it's fascinating. Uh, but do you, do you know, Wendy, this is kind of interesting that if you go to the store and buy your typical mask, you will often see, as I did, if you look in the side of the box, it says, will not provide any protection against COVID-19 coronavirus or other viruses or contaminants. But I do believe that it does stop, you know, respiratory droplets if somebody is coughing or sneezing or sometimes even talking. I mean, there is some truth to that. Uh, but I, Well, you know what's interesting about that, Larry, is that those statistics are often cited in support of some of these uh, Republican, especially in red states, some of these Republican governors' orders that uh, basically say, hey, parents, I'm going to give the the decision-making authority to you. So this Tennessee lawsuit, interestingly enough, is based really on the ADA because you have parents of two students who are immunocompromised. They're uniquely vulnerable. And the parents are worried that these immunocompromised students are going to be sitting masked themselves but within the within maybe, you know, a couple of feet of somebody that's unmasked and at least one of these students can't wear a mask because of underlying medical conditions that would render them uniquely vulnerable. Now, you wonder whether or not, given what we know now versus what we knew last summer, um, what is a safe distance? Remember, we started out with six. Remember, you and I did a segment on the pool noodles. People were wearing them on their head to try to figure out what six feet was. So unless you're going to carry around a yardstick. 
I mean, we're back to the plexiglass in classrooms. If in fact, you, you know, some of these uniquely vulnerable students are going to be able to kept safe, this is just the argument, Larry, but are gonna be able to be kept safe from other students whose parents decide not to mask them. Where does this science that you, that, as you point out, is printed right on the side of a mask, where does that play into this debate? If in fact masks don't provide at least as much coverage as we thought. Yeah, this I found this a statistic. It's really interesting. It's a place called Statista.com, and it shows that in Jan- since January of 2020. Now, I think that's over a year ago, until September 15th, 2021. That's just a few days ago. The number of COVID-19 deaths of U.S. children between the ages of zero and 17 for the entire country of the United States is. According to this, 439. Yet the flu season from 2018 to 2019, and that's a much shorter period. I couldn't get any more up to date on those stats, but there was 477. So 477 flu deaths in that age group, 0 to 17, versus 439 COVID deaths in that age group for a year and a half. Uh, so I don't know where they're getting that. And I'm super worried about the psychological damage. I found an article. Uh, it's a little bit dated in December 2020 in Psychology, uh, Psychology Today. They say that this is damaging the psychology of little kids. They need to see the face of their um, classmates. And I just worry about what this is doing. I don't think it's always a risk versus benefit analysis. And I think in this case, uh, the, the benefit of wearing mask is... Um, it is outweighed by the risk of harming the children psychologically and really in other ways that are yet to be determined. Yeah, you know, one thing we can do to help children is if we're outside, if we're in a venue where we're not wearing a mask, is to look them right in the face and smile as broadly as we can because we want children to see smiling faces, not masked faces. We understand they have to see masked faces some of the time, but we always, my sister and I, you know, we go out of our way to lock eyes with children and smile from ear to ear. And they always reciprocate those precious little things. Even if they're masked, you can see it in their eyes. They just light up like little Christmas trees. So that's a problem. You know, masking is a problem. Now, on the other hand, if I had to argue the other side of it, and we love to do this as lawyers, I would argue there are immunocompromised people, children and adults, that cannot afford to catch COVID, that COVID's unique uh, properties would affect them differently than the flu. We don't want to see anybody end up on a ventilator. We don't want anybody to have a longer than necessary hospital stay. So I like what you said about balancing the equities. We certainly have to have to do that. Um, I know we're we only have about a minute left, but, but Larry, I mean, are we going to see a resolution of this mask debate anytime soon? Do you think? I think we just need to, uh, kind of like rebel a little bit. Uh, I did a quick survey. I went to some big box stores and just like glancing who's wearing masks, who's not. Of course, all the employees have masks on. Uh, But I would say about two thirds of the people still are wearing masks, even young, healthy people. And uh, I would just say that we need to push back. I think it's becoming more of a control device than a protection device. And so I'm hoping we're going to come out on that side. And just really quickly, they in Sweden. We got 30 seconds, I know, Larry. Okay, Sweden, no mask. And people that wear masks over there are kind of like looked upon oddly. And so I say, <laughs> I'm going to move to Sweden. No, I wouldn't move to Sweden, but I love Sweden. Uh, but they, they do it differently over there. And I like the way they're doing it as far as the masks go. 
Well, when Larry says we have to push back, what he means is we have to push back legally because he and I both took oaths to follow the law. So, uh, yeah, you know, a lot of people are pushing back legally. That's why there are so many lawsuits being filed. Um, we are going to just take a short break. This is great conversation. Please stick around for our next segment. You're going to meet the head of the only organization in America that provides tools to leaders, police and citizens um, that are going to help dismantle terrorists and networks in local communities. Do not touch that dial. You're not going to want to miss this. You're listening to Today with Dr. Wendy. We'll be back in a flash. News cycle lowlights have no place here. You're listening to the headline highlights on Today with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego. It's time for more news you can use. The headlines streamline. It's time for more Today with Dr. Wendy. Now here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick. Welcome back to Today with Dr. Wendy. I'm Wendy Patrick. Well, we have a very exciting guest for you the second half. Larry, who do we have on the line? Yes, Wendy, today we have John Guandolo. He is the president and founder of Understanding the Threat, or UTT for short, which is an organization that advises governments, the U.S. government and others, on matters related to national security. Specifically, UTT is the only organization in America which empowers elected officials, police, and citizens with tools to identify Marxist, communist, and jihadi networks and dismantle them at the local level. As a former FBI agent, he created and implemented the FBI's first counterterrorism training education program. He actively briefs the teachers uh, and members of Congress, or yeah, members of Congress, senior military officials, police, and the intelligence community, and others. And is the author of numerous books. His latest being Islam's Deception: The Truth About Sharia. Welcome to the show, John. Thank you very much. It's great to be on with you all. So, John, I mean, we are just absolutely enamored by your work as an FBI counterterrorism expert. I mean, just that title. I mean, I'd love, I'd love to have one of your business cards that says that. That's terrific. Um, but I also have to say I'm impressed by what you did before. I understand you graduated from the U.S. Army Ranger School, where you were a combat diver and military free fall parachutist. Now, to me, that sounds like you were jumping out of perfectly good airplanes without a parachute. So I am just fascinated. How did you go from there to doing the type of work that you do today? Okay, well, first of all, I have to tell you, there's no such thing as a perfectly good aircraft. Uh, <laughs> Touche. <president> <laughs> 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 um, so jumping out with a parachute is a, uh, is a fun activity, especially at uh, 25 or 30,000 feet. Um, but that notwithstanding, um, you know, being in the, the Marine Corps and infantry, uh, combat veteran, infantry platoon commander, and, uh, then going over into, uh, Marine reconnaissance and doing those kinds of things we're, we're just talking about. Um, I, I actually felt called, uh, into federal service. I never thought I'd leave the Marine Corps, but I did. And, um, I joined the FBI uh, because I felt that was the place I was, you know, uh, that was a good fit. And uh, 
having been in the Bureau for almost five years prior to 9-11, or for actually five years almost exactly prior to 9-11, after 9-11 happened, uh, I was asked uh, by one of the leaders in the office if I wanted to join one of the two new units that were being assembled at the Washington field office to deal with the the terrorism uh, threat both uh, domestically and from overseas, and and I did, and uh, that kind of was the the beginning of that journey. Well, John, since August, uh, we have been pretty much glued to our TV, watching the U.S. military uh, leave Afghanistan, where we not only left eighty billion dollar plus of state of the art military equipment, but even many Americans behind. So, in your expert opinion, what effect will this? in my opinion, disastrous military pullout have on the ability of the U.S. to fight terrorism in the world and in our homeland? Well, there are two, okay, so those are great questions, and there are two big answers, but I'll try to answer them quickly first and then let you decide which way we want to go. From, from the point of our adversary, and not just the Taliban, because you have to, uh, your listeners have to keep in mind that Al-Qaeda, Osama bin Laden, swore uh, an oath of allegiance to, uh, to the Taliban and to Mullah Omar, as have the, the senior leadership uh, repeatedly of Al-Qaeda. So when you look at the relationship uh, operationally between the Taliban and Al-Qaeda, Al-Qaeda is the, the uh, external operations arm of the Taliban. And uh, so that's a, if you're talking to one, you're talking to both. So when we have, for instance, our chairman of the Joint Chiefs, uh, Mark Milley, or the General Milley, or the the CENTCOM commander, uh, General McKinsey, saying that the Taliban, you know, we're working with them and we're giving them intelligence, that's that's unlawful because we're literally giving uh, information and treating as a friend somebody we know is a is a terrorist entity um, because they're literally uh, partnered with Al Qaeda. Um, that's the first part of that. And the way they understand what we did in Afghanistan is we, like we did in Mogadishu, and the way al-Qaeda took that was if we can get the Americans to run for cover because we blow a couple of helicopters out of the sky, they're just paper tigers. And al-Qaeda wrote extensively about that. Um, you know, one so of the what, things we, we – I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, so what we've done is we've told them uh, we're going to flee. That's who we are. Our leaders are going to surrender. We're going to kiss their the enemy's butts, and we're going to do whatever they tell us to do. We're going to let them be in charge of our security. We're going to tell the world we've put the Taliban in charge of our security. It, it's a laughing stock. It's a, it shows our leaders have no idea what they're doing. And then on the other side, the other part of your question is domestically, the leaders of the U.S. Islamic, prominent Islamic organizations are ideologically aligned with al-Qaeda and the Taliban. And we can go by name or by organization if you want. So it's a mess, both domestically and, and internationally. You know, I was going to transition to the domestic question that you bring up, but talk instead about, you know, we worry not only about what goes on in Afghanistan, our position on the world stage, our reputation, our credibility, but we also worry about what's coming across our borders. So with all of your experience with the FBI, counterterrorism, I was wondering to what extent you believe that a porous southern border actually creates a valid threat. 
not just of people coming in undocumented, but of potential terrorists? Right. Uh, well, there's a significant threat, obviously, if you have no border security uh, and you openly tell the world we're okay if unlawful people come into our country, we welcome it. And that's been, we've had presidents, plural, say that in the last 30 years, uh, that we're, we're okay with that. We're encouraging that. So, of course, our adversaries are going to take advantage of that. But then we actually have evidence that that's happening. We have people who have been identified as al-Qaeda and ISIS and Hamas and Muslim Brotherhood and other terrorist entities coming across the border with nefarious uh, means. And we know from an intelligence perspective why they're doing it. They're trying to get as many of their people in this country uh, as they possibly can. And, of course, uh, our vetting process is non-existent. Our counterintelligence apparatus is non-existent. So when you start putting these things together, it's a, it's a horrific security picture uh, here in the United States. And I think as long as the American people tolerate it um, and act as if this is just another bad policy decision, we're going to reap what we're sowing right now. It's, it's ugly. What's coming and what they have planned for us is ugly. Wow. And then when you marry that up with the fact that the, the, uh, the Islamic jihadis in the United States are working at the local, uh, regional, and national, and actually at the international level with the communist movement, with Black Lives Matter, Antifa, Communist Party USA, Comintern at the international level. You got China and, and Iran, you know, the largest powerhouse in the global communist movement, China, and uh, Iran, the largest state sponsor of Islamic terrorism on the planet, in a you know, strategic partnership. It's it just and no strategic response from the United States other than to encourage and assist, literally, our enemies. To the point, we have the chairman of the Joint Chiefs telling his counterpart in China, hey, if America attacks you, we're going to warn you, which is just flat-out treason Unbelievable. and uh, a violation of the UCMJ, federal code, and his constitutional oath. So I, I, it, it's astounding what is being tolerated right now. It's amazing. You know, the, the question, you, you kind of answered it, but that was my next question. As dangerous as Islamic terrorism and ge their geographic expansion is, would you agree that we have maybe even a bigger problem with the infiltration of communists and radical leftists into our government, our media, our institutions of, of higher learning, our entertainment industry, and even our churches? And uh, it seems like it's a huge order. It seems like we're going towards a new world order or something. It's like we have forgot our patriotism in many cases, in my mind. Right. I mean, the, the reality is that we have um, the communist movement that, that softens the ground for the frontline fighters, both communists and, and jihadis. But the, the jihadis uh, are tremendously better trained and better organized, I would argue. Now, I have colleagues of mine that would say, you know, it's a toss-up, and I'm not necessarily uh, going to make a, a hard argument on that because both sides are very well organized, very well funded. They've got strategies. They've got operational lines in the United States. But who softened the churches? You know, it was the communists that penetrated the Catholic and Protestant seminaries in Europe and the United States. It's the, uh, it's the communists that primarily penetrated for decades, you know, since actually the 30s, U.S. Uh, public school systems and then the universities um, 
you know, down to the elementary school level and have polluted it with uh, this horrible stuff. And then you get the Department of Education and National Teachers Associations operating on behalf of the communist movement uh, that just, you know, from the bureaucratic standpoint, the ideological standpoint, um, you look at the media. You no, know, we're going to have to we're going to have to leave it there. That was very interesting analysis. I want to thank you very much for for joining us and sharing some of this and in, very interesting information. Thank you, John. That was great. Absolutely. Thank you. All very right, much. and thank you to our listeners for tuning in. We are wishing you a wonderful, safe weekend. Please join us next week for more of today with Dr. Wendy. Headlines with the silver lining. Have a great week, and God bless you. Thank you for joining us for Today with Dr. Wendy. You can learn more about Dr. Wendy and how to become a guest or sponsor of the show by visiting wendypatrickphd.com. That's wendypatrickphd.com. Tune in every week at this same time as Dr. Wendy will engage and inspire you with an upbeat viewpoint on the highlights of the day. This has been Today with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flynn with in-depth interviews archival footage and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines i just felt like i was drowning flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost available now watch it today go to salemnow.com salemnow.com